Lord, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today we celebrate a woman that is greatly esteemed by our Lord Jesus Christ, and therefore through the church also is greatly esteemed for what God did for her and what God did through her, and that is blessed Saint and the mother of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And the Latin word that begins the Mass, it's always the first word of the introit that you hear the choir sing, is Gaudemus, Gaudemus. It means rejoice. On the day we celebrate St. Anne, the church is being called to rejoice. And I tell you, the church is being called to rejoice because when we look at this blessed woman, we are reminded that the accuser of the brethren our accuser has been cast down and that every last one of us has had Satan's ministry of shame released from us. That is what has been done as Christ would take the shame of fallen humanity upon himself, go into the grave with it and ascend with it into heaven after the resurrection. Everything that we know about Blessed St. Anne, we also must mention St. Joachim, her husband. Everything that we know about them, the testimony of what God did for them and through them, it comes from the holy tradition of the church, but we hear about it very early. We start hearing about St. Anne and this narrative that I'll share with you in a minute as early as the second century of the church, the next generation of the apostles began to remind the church of this blessed woman, the mother of the blessed Virgin Mary. So let's remember for just a second her narrative in hopes that the Holy Spirit will show us something wonderful about what Christ has done on our behalf. Saints Joachim and Anna were married for 15 years, or, excuse me, 50 years. And for that 50 years were barren. They were unable to bear a child. And you have to understand that in the culture of that day, the culture placed upon them a great shame because they could not bear children. And I want to tell you the reason for that. The reason for that is this. The religious culture of the Hebrews during St. Joachim and Anne's time, the religious culture of that day had come to the belief that if you were barren and could not bear children, it was because you were a sinful person. It was a result of sin in your life. Now let me tell you where they got this from. In the scriptures of the Old Testament, there are cases where because of a person's sin, they became barren. But what the Hebrew religious leaders of that day had done, they had cast, cast that on every person. If you could not bear a child, you were full of sin. There is something that you have grieved God in. And this is how he looked at you. And so they lived in this constant state of shame. If you can imagine for 50 years having shame placed upon them. There's an early testimony of St. Joachim, or excuse me, um, yes, yeah, St. Joachim in his old age, he goes to make an offering in the temple. 
during one of, the, one of the feasts that they were called to do. It was the feast of the dedication of the temple, also known as the Festival of Lights. You've also heard it called Hanukkah. St. Joachim goes in to make his offering to God, and the high priest turns him away. And he turns him away because you're not worthy to make an offering. Your wife is barren. Can you imagine the pain in blessed St. Joachim's heart and the shame that would have been cast upon him by that action of the high priest in that time? This man who lived a pure and dedicated life to God is turned away by the high priest when he came to offer to God what God had called all his people to offer. They constantly pleaded with God for 50 years to show mercy and to take away their shame. And I want to share with you the testimony of St. Joachim and Anne's prayer before God after this event at the temple. They were devastated in pain because of what the high priest had done. So St. Joachim, after he shares it with his wife, he goes into the wilderness to pray. And he spends great time in the wilderness praying, but I want you to know his prayer. He called upon God's faithfulness and God's mercy. He said, Lord God, Lord God of Abraham and Sarah, when Abraham and Sarah were of old age, you kept the promise of faithfulness to your covenant. And when they were in old age, unable to conceive a child, the child of the covenant. In their old age, you showed them mercy and you demonstrated your faithfulness. You gave them a child, Isaac. And St. Anne, who was equally distraught and in tears, hearing what had happened to her husband at the temple. And in that great shame she was feeling, she went underneath a tree and began to pray to God, and she was praying the same thing as her husband. Lord God, you opened the womb of your beloved Sarah when she was of old age to produce the child of the covenant. Show mercy, show faithfulness, take away in your faithfulness and your mercy, take away our shame. And while they were praying, we are told that the archangel Gabriel, the same archangel that came for the annunciation to the Blessed Virgin, when he would announce that the Christ child would come through her. The same archangel came to St. Joachim, St. Joachim when he was in the wilderness, and St. Anne when she was under a tree and praying and gave them words of great comfort, saying, Be comforted. The Lord has heard your cry, and you will bear a child, and you will name the child Mary. And she will be the one who brings into this world the Messiah. And it came to pass. And in their old age, this miraculous conception and birth occurred. And he took away their shame. My friends, I tell you today that the Lord wants us to see in the narrative of Saints Joachim and Anna... Something that is a consistent struggle for almost every Christian. And I've seen it, including the one speaking to you. And that is a struggle with shame. 
shame brought about by a relentless accuser that wants to constantly keep us away and apart from the God who wants to bring us into unity with himself so that he might heal the very source of what brings the shame. Every one of us deals with this in different ways. Look at St. Joachim and Anna. We know the source of their shame. They were barren. And the culture, if you look at it on the surface, the culture of that day was their accuser. And it constantly kept before them, you can't bear a child because you're a sinner. And then the most devastating thing in the temple, how dare you bring an offering before God? You're not worthy because of this. And I tell you that even though on the surface, the accuser was the religious culture that has developed that day. I promise you this, the accuser was Satan. Who had infiltrated and worked into the culture in such a way to produce such shame upon God's people. Because as Jesus would say to the religious leaders when he would come, he said, you've got all the writing and you've got it correct in your heads, but you don't know the heart of God behind the writing, so you can't live like him. And you're not being his nature to one another. This is what Jesus would bring to the Pharisees. The accuser is always Satan. He is the originator of shame. And it originated in the Garden of Eden. Listen to what the Holy Scriptures say about Satan being the accuser of the brethren. We get this in the book of Revelation in chapter 12. This is just after talking about Christ being born of the Virgin Mary and what he would go through to suffer for his people. Revelation 12, I begin in verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now, now that Christ has come and all that he did, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. The accuser is very real. He is Satan. And through Christ, he is cast down and has absolutely zero audience with God. However... That does not mean that he does not have audience with you and with me. And quite frankly, the only way he has audience with us is when we give it to him. By not recognizing his voice whispering into our ear accusation after accusation that is designed to bring about a shame that puts us in prison and paralysis spiritually. So that we dare not approach the God, our healer, our Lord Jesus Christ. That by his Holy Spirit, every bit of source that would be shame in our lives can be taken away and healed. And we can be made new. We have a voice of an accuser. And his main goal is a ministry of shame. Into your hearts and into our minds. I want to remind you of the prayer of blessed Saints Joachim and Anne. When faced with the depth of their shame, what was their prayer all about? It 
words of prayer, remembering the Lord their God. Lord, I remember what you did for Abraham and for Sarah. I remember you are a God of faithfulness. I remember that you showed them mercy. You are a God of mercy and you delivered them from their shame and you kept your covenant and you produced the child of the covenant, Isaac. What are they doing? They're not just talking about actions of God. What are they really remembering in the depths of their shame? They're remembering who God is. They're remembering the divine nature of God. In that act for Abraham and Sarah, Lord, you are eternally faithful. Lord, in that act for Abraham and Sarah, you are the God who delights in showing mercy for those who approach you every time they come to you. We will, we will face all of our lives a voice of accusation. It's just the way it is right now. And I want to talk about how the voice of accusation of our enemy, Satan, comes to us. What is his strategy? He comes to us, I'm going to give you two ways. And believe me, these are big umbrellas. There's a lot of other things under these umbrellas that I'm going to mention to you. But the voice of shame, he uses one of two things or both to come and trap us and imprison us in shame that we dare not approach the God of grace and mercy. The first thing he uses, and you might suspect this, he uses our sins. He uses the poor choices we make to depart from God and pursue the passions of this world, the weaknesses of our flesh, those things that we pursue that are anti-Christ and anti-God. You see, he whispers when we sin and every time we sin. And in the midst of our besetting sins, here's what he whispers to us. You see, how can you even think yourself worthy to go before God? Did you not hear this in the voice of the high priest of St. Joachim? You're not worthy to come before God and offer yourself and offer your brokenness. You can't go before him. Look at what you have done. It is hideous in his eyes. He can't receive you. He abhors you. You are disgusting in his sight because of what you have done. These are the words of the whisper of the accuser that is constantly coming at God's people. And he uses our sins and our failures. The other thing he uses is this. Our accuser will use things that have happened to us in this life by the hand of others. He will use the abuses. He will use the wrongs that others have done to us physically, emotionally, spiritually, and having been wounded by others, and having been quote-unquote shamed by the actions of others. He whispers in the ear that those, when those things have happened to someone, to write on their souls an identity of shame. And he says in our ears, because this has happened to you, because this has been done to you, don't you see that your human dignity, your humanity itself is devalued? Your worth is diminished in the eyes of God. 
And nothing, absolutely nothing, will ever change that. You are worthless because of what's happened to you. How can you even see yourself as a vessel filled with the Holy Spirit useful to God? These are the words of the accuser that come to us. How dare you, ultimately, how dare you stand before God? And if you don't recognize the lie of the accuser, we should have seen it from the very beginning. Because Satan is not creative. He is a broken record that began in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve sinned before God. What are we told happened? They weren't immediately kicked out of the garden or banned, as some people want to say. Look at the progression. When they sinned, God came after them. He came calling for them. Adam, where are you? But they had fallen to not only the seat to try to be God themselves, they had fallen to the secondary deceit of the broken record of the accuser. Look what you've done. Look what you've done. You're not worthy to go before God. So what does scripture say that Adam and Eve did? It said they hid themselves from God. One of the great mysteries, even in the church, is what might have happened when God came calling after Adam and Eve if Adam and Eve had actually gone to him. But they didn't. They hid from him. How many of you hide from God because of the constant accusations and because of the identity of shame that he's written upon you? This is very real, my friends. I deal with it with so many of you all the time. I deal with it in my own life all the time. The accuser comes to show us what we're not and how we're not worthy and how we cannot go before God. It is the anti-Christ. Because Christ, as he ascended, what did he become for us? He became our great high priest where St. Paul tells us that you and I, broken and certainly by our actions, deserve shame. But St. Paul says, because we have such a great high priest, Jesus Christ, who became incarnate, who died, by his own blood covered our sins, was raised from the dead so that we don't have to taste death. He became our great high priest, and St. Paul says, therefore, let us come boldly before God. You hear the opposite by the Holy Spirit of what Satan puts in our ears. This has been done to me. I'm valueless. I can't go before God. Or I've done this, Lord. I dare not come. I fear you. And St. Paul is telling us, look at your great high priest. Remember the Lord your God. And this brings us to how do we begin to allow Christ to dig us out of an identity of shame and to take upon us his blessed and holy and righteous identity that he died and was raised to bestow upon us. How do we combat shame? I go back to the prayer of Saints Joachim and Anne. What was their prayer? They set themselves in the desperation of their heart, longing for mercy. They set themselves before God, and they remembered who God really is. And when we put before us 
and the Holy Spirit, when we do it, reveals to us the truth of the identity of God, this God of loving kindness, this God of long-suffering, this God of forbearance, who is infinitely patient with us, this God who desires to heal the depth of the person that we truly are. When we see Him for who He is, we move to Him. And the enemy, our accuser, is cast down. My friends, this is very real in our spiritual lives. And shame is the very thing that will lead to the death of a soul because it's the whisper of the ear of an enemy that again keeps us in paralysis from ever moving to the Lord our God and discovering and experience, experiencing His mercy and His healing in our lives. Many of you do this, but I extend the invitation always, not if, but when you struggle with the voice of the accuser and you are wrestling to come before God and you are wrestling to see yourselves the way that the Lord God sees you, you call your priest. Let's get together and let us by the Holy Spirit have God revealed to you once again so that you can come to him and enjoy the divine healing that he so desires to lavishly pour out by his mercy. Because, my friends, you are, despite what Satan says, you are worth everything that he did or he wouldn't have done. That's how our Lord sees and desires 